Hello and welcome to the Developing Dads podcast. I'm your host Neil and alongside my brother Gordon, we're going to explore life as two young dads trying to figure this whole parenting thing out. Join us every Monday where we aim to share our thoughts on how we raise our families, invest our time and explore things that interest us. Episode number 28? I think this might be 28. I mean, I don't know if this this one's going to make the cut, Neil. <laughs> it's got to make the cut. It's got it's got to make the cut. It's kind of, um, I've just literally driven from London all the way in Surrey, zone six, all the way up, up to Scotland. And I'm currently with Neil enjoying, uh, what are we enjoying? Um, a Brewdog Pale Ale. A Brewdog Pale Ale. Cheers. Mm. Cheers to that, Neil. So there's a Brewdog Pale Ale. You're probably wondering, like, why why the heck am I here? What What's going on? What's happening? Have we even introduced this podcast yet, Neil? Or? No, you just got in the door two minutes ago and you're like, let's do a podcast. Yeah, because I was like, well, you know, part of this part of this thing that we're doing, this podcasting thing is like this catch up stuff that we've done. Uh, we've done with the podcast where I feel like we should capture conversations. Yeah. And yeah. I felt like it was kind of like, I don't think it's probably bad of me to think it's wasted if we don't do a podcast. <laughs> got to take that picture. But you, what picture? As in, that's the kind of mindset people oh, have. Oh, right. Okay. You've got to take that picture for it to be captured. But I just thought it'd be quite a, kind of a good episode because I've spent the past eight and a half hours like pondering life, <laughs> listening to Avril Lavigne all the way up on, on a podcast. Skater boy. Skater boy. Well, it was actually complicated. It's what oh, I was listening to. Yeah. And I just thought we haven't caught up for a whole week and it would have been really good to be like just straight off the fresh, you know, have a catch up, do the pod, catch up, chat about it. So I've absolutely no idea where this direction of this podcast is going to go. It could go in any direction. Also, it could go in any way possible. But shall we start off like how we normally do? And if this, I think this might make it. Do you think that intro is enough? Yeah, that'll do. That'll do. Right. Yeah. So this is episode twenty-eight then. Yeah. Excellent. Episode twenty-eight. How about that? Random dad chat. Random dad chat. These ones. Hopefully, this one's quite good. But anyway, Neil, I, we haven't done a podcast for a week. I don't think. I know. Last week we took off because yeah, just bits and pieces, traveling, busyness. So, I was traveling. But. So what the heck have you been doing? La- last week, yeah. Um, it's been a bit of a mad week, so I had a, another event with work, which was in Edinburgh, so a bit more local than London. But then straight after that, I had to fly down for a two-hour meeting. So I flew down on the Wednesday evening and had a two-hour meeting with one of our customers and then flew home. So, yeah, an expensive trip for a two-hour chat, but hopefully it was worth it. Hold on a minute. You flew, I know you flew down to London, but I didn't realize it was just for a two-hour meeting. <laughs> Yeah. How important is this client? Uh, very, I mean, we're very important. Very important. Oh, okay. So, Do you have to say that? <laughs> I doubt they're listening, but no, it's, it's, a, it's a major opportunity. And um, we've never actually met them face to face. So they've been with us th- two months now. And um, it, they're going through a trial of Shark Tower. And it was a kind of a, a meet and greet and to showcase what we've been up to in the last two months. So... Um, that yeah. fa- you missed that face-to-face interaction. There is that funny thing, the pandemic aspect. You know, everyone was like, yeah, we can work from home. Like, it's not a problem. There's no issues with that whatsoever. But then you start working with human beings again. And you start genuinely realizing the difference it makes talking to people in person. Yeah, Like the, mic- the micro conversations, the micro little psychology things that go on, the decisions that are made. You know, Ali can be synonymous with this sometimes when he'll... He will sit, he'll sit in a car with a bunch of people for, say, four or five hours when they're going off to Wales and they'll come up with some newfangled system for YouTube. <laughs> you know, sometimes that happens, but sometimes you need that that mm. time with people to be able to work them out from a, like a personality perspective and whatever else. 
So I guess I can understand. Like it just seems I've never known you to travel all the way down to London for two hours for a meeting. Yeah, it was, it was pretty bizarre. Um, but yeah, little things like um, the head of finance for this organization met us at the reception, took us up in the lift. And like even that like five, 10 minute small chat is priceless. And then we took one of them out for lunch. And again, that small chat that, that during lunch, you kind of learn about them a bit more on a personal level. So you just kind of grow in a kind of business sense. So hopefully they'll sign. Hopefully they'll be a, become a, a customer because right now they're doing a trial. So they sent you because you're obviously extremely good looking. Handsome, yeah. And good uh, chat. very charming. Can present well, yeah. You can present well. How, how did you dress? <laughs> did you do? You, did you dress as you dress now or did you smart yourself up a bit? No, I don't know what the, the camera can see, but um, right now I'm in shorts and t-shirt. Um, I was in, yeah. Which is classic Neil outfit, by the way. Classic Neil dad outfit. <laughs> yeah, it was very much um, black shoes, black trousers, nice shirt, cufflinks. Nice one. So very, very like, good. like going on a first date. Yeah. Maybe not. I did. I don't think I've ever worn cufflinks <laughs> on a first date. But. And my meeting was at 9am um, and it finished by 11, took them out for lunch. So kind of the whole thing finished at, at one and my flight home was at eight o'clock at night. <laughs> Because I didn't realise, or I wanted to be around just in case they wanted more chat and, and that kind of thing. So I spent um, committed Neil a crazy amount of time in in Heathrow drinking beer and doing some work. It's quite nice. All right, find a nice pub. There is quite nice, you know, on the theme of travel and being dads that we are. We don't really get much time to ourselves. Exactly. Really? My my boss was like, "Why don't you try and fly home earlier or get get the train or something?" I'm like, "No, that's fine." Yeah. <laughs> and the, the funny thing, I think I stumbled upon that the other day. I don't know if I should admit this, but I could, I could have got home for bath time, but I'd made it home for a lot of bath times. I think that week, maybe like three out of the four days or whatever else was going on. So, you know, I felt fulfilled in, you know, yeah. duties as a dad, the emotional aspect of that, all that kind of stuff. So I was, I was working, I was working at a pace that I could work and do some things, but at the same time I wasn't rushing, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So yeah, part yeah. of me feels like I was doing my work better because I'm thinking about it. But at the same time, I don't know. I, I kind of wanted that, just that little bit of forced time on my own. Yeah, no, I, 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 I like, definitely agree. Sometimes Laura doesn't, does, does Rebecca understand that? Is that something that she's like? Yeah, I mean, I think we're we're pretty mindful of, of giving each other time out. And yeah. But there's a difference between time out and literally just wanting to be on your own. Yeah, okay. No, yeah, I get that. I think, yeah, me and, me and Rebecca, I mean... Three children in and seven years of having kids. So Okay. So it's, it's established now. <laughs> yes. Okay. I think she understands it. Yeah. I think yeah. Laura's getting used to it. But I think new parents, it's, uh, it's one of those kind of hurdles you need to kind of get through. Yeah. Why, why wouldn't you want to spend all of your undivided attention <laughs> or time with your children? Yeah, exactly. Because... I don't. <laughs> no, I love her to bits, but I don't. I don't want to spend time. Just, I think Laura feels like that sometimes. She messages me and says, "You know, oh God, she's driving me mad because you know she's just been fussy or whatever else." You know what they're like at that age. Yeah, and when Laura goes back to work, that dynamic will change, and she'll now be able to feel a bit of freedom. And so, what did what did you think about when you were uh, on your own and he threw for seven hours or whatever it was? Um, I worked quite a lot of it, but I also bought, bought a new book, which is just. Sitting here. This is must be where like W. H. Smith actually makes money. <laughs> yeah, probably on Amazon. It's like half the price, but this was twelve ninety nine, which is probably the most I spent on a book. But it's Stephen Hawking's Brief Answers to Big Questions. How far are you in it? Um, halfway into it. Are you? So uh, he's answered questions like, "Is there a God? How did it all begin? Is there other intelligent life in the universe? Can is we- is there a God, Neil? Oh, is there a God? Well, Steve Hawkins says no. 
<laughs> and what's his reasoning? Um, oh, I think we'll, I'll, I'll need to take some notes and see it for another episode. Okay. It's quite complicated and quite deep. Interesting. Because I was listening, um, there's um, Yuval uh, Harari. Have you heard of him? Don't think so. so he, he wrote, I hope I pronounced his name right, someone will crucify him if they find this, I've said it wrong. But he wrote Sapiens, or oh, yeah. Homeo Deus, yeah, yeah, yeah. 21 Lessons for the 21st Century. I know those books. He, yeah. I was listening to, he did a talk on a, like a Google podcast thing. And one of the parts he was talking about was like spirituality. And there's two different types, or I'm not sure if he was talking about two different types of spirituality. He was talking about two different kind of God types, if you will. I can't quite, I, I, won't, I won't articulate it very well. So, you know, beg my ignorance and lack of intelligence. But in effect, he was talking about the type of God where you sit around a campfire. And you sit around the campfire and you just kind of ponder the universe and you just talk about like hypothetical things and how you connect with each other and all that kind of stuff, right? He thinks that's pretty cool and we should do that and we should talk about those things. But then he doesn't necessarily like the idea of a god being being very well defined. You know, whereas previously sitting around the campfire, it's all very mysterious. You don't really know what you're talking about. There's nothing really defined about it. It's just, you just go with the flow. Yeah, yeah. But there's also a train of thought which is in religion, and a, a god is has been defined. Yeah, and we know what that god wants. It wants women to dress in a certain way. It wants us to orientate in a certain, have a certain sexual appetite. It wants us to do certain things with, say, politics, for example. Yeah, yeah. And it was kind of interesting when he was kind of describing that. I'm like, that's really interesting because we're just trying to fill gaps on these kind of questions that we can't really answer. But suddenly we're defining all these things. But it's kind of it was yeah. an interesting, interesting thing to listen to, certainly. I know what you mean. Um, but on the kind of God front, I think Steve Hawkins really sums up well in this paragraph I'm about to read. So people want answers to the big questions, like why we're here. They don't expect the answer to be easy, so they're prepared to struggle a bit. When people ask if a god created the universe, I tell them that the question itself makes no sense. Time didn't exist before the Big Bang, so there's no time for God to make the universe in. It's like asking for directions to the edge of the earth, but the earth is a sphere that doesn't have an edge, so looking for it is a futile exercise. Interesting. <laughs> but, yeah, it, it, like you've almost got to read each chapter, and each chapter is a question multiple times, I think, to really believe it, because it's pretty deep. It, it is, it is it interesting. It, it does. And it kind of, it, it, to me, it drives me to the point where I sometimes think about how in, insignificant a lot of things I think about are, truly. You know, and, and really like our world and our choices and decisions and how they affect things are generally just people that we sit next to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're, you know, I, I could go on a noble quest and try and become the president of the United States, which I wouldn't be able to because I'm a foreign national. But, you know, Prime Minister or whatever else to make legislative changes. But, you know, I, I can't be bothered. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And if, if I'm going to exert my energy and time on something, I'd rather do it with something that is tangible and I can actually see and feel and, and I can see the effect. Yeah. And I, I mean, guess maybe that's selfish. That's kind of a selfish driven thing because I could have more impact by, I don't know, donating more of my money to effective charities and things like that. But I choose not to for some reason. Yeah. I mean, I think we discussed this in one of the episodes about religion, but there's definitely a, a I can't see many negatives. There's maybe a few negatives to dig, dig deeper, but there's a lot of positives to religion, a lot of positives to having that community aspect and that church and even having the kids go there and meeting new friends and the Sunday school aspect. And well, and I mean, I've met friends through church, through Rebecca's church that are now good friends and go for walks with them, go for runs with them. And yeah, that kind of sense of community 
is is lost in this in this world. Yeah, but I just I don't know why we can't have that without the necessity to like worship something. Like, why can't we all yeah. just have like common ground on the fact that hey, you're but maybe maybe that's where ultimately that's where you're sitting, right? Is you, you've just met nice people. Yeah, and the religious thing doesn't matter at all. In fact, because you don't actually talk about it, you've told Richard said that they don't necessarily like you don't push. It's not been pushed on you or anything like that. And and actually, you're just hanging out with nice people. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Maybe exactly. part of what their religious aspect has driven them to be nice people, but then you haven't been driven by haven't religion hasn't driven you to be a nice person. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. kind of like a weird yeah. thing. Like, why can't we just have that? I guess just kind of there. Um, anyway, we've gone way off tangent in terms of how the rest of your week was. But what else have you been doing? Um, probably one more highlight, which is again behind me. This is not not planned or set up. It just happened today, actually. Um, See, this is this is it, Neil. This is why I wanted to do this little uh, <laughs> body catch up because it was work. Isla got her um, report card for P two. Oh wow! Are we allowed to read that really out nice. on the pod? Uh, I'll read out. Well, it's all very good, but the the best bit is. Would you read it out if it was bad? Oh, yeah, I think I probably would. Oh okay, fair. Um, Isla has been a joy to teach. She's a very positive girl who always has a smile on her face. This is probably my bit, the best bit. She is very kind to others and a social butterfly in the classroom. Does that make you cry? <laughs> it makes me a bit a bit emotional, but yeah, it makes me happy. Do you feel proud of her? I'm very proud of her. But we're, we're not making a big deal about it. Why not? Because it's not... Um, why am I not making a big, big deal about it? I can't remember the chap's name. Unconditional Parrington. What's his name? It doesn't matter what his name is. Yeah, What's so the, the theory? So the, the, the theory is that basically you shouldn't praise people or you, you can praise them, but you shouldn't give them gifts and you shouldn't make a massive deal out of doing well on sports day or um, getting a good report card. But then I do wonder if the good report card is based on, say, like academia, which it would be based on like getting A's in maths or English or whatever else. Whereas I would support the idea of praising Isla and and reinforcing the fact that she's clearly taking actions that are human and humane and yeah, so the, morally good and all that kind of thing. So yeah. I'd, I'd be shouting for the rooftops. I'd be like, you know, this is this is how I'd like. This is how I'm I'm proud that my child is is doing this. I guess. Yeah. Okay. No. Yeah. I like that. And there's yeah. I've definitely said well done. I've definitely said I'm proud of her. And we discussed it just before bed and stuff like that. So she's aware, but. I mean, there's other parents out there that are getting them a, a big gift or a fancy new toy or... Oh, no. Yeah. And I'm not... Uh, if the verbal stuff, I'm all about. All about the verbal stuff, but not about the material. But it's the actions, isn't it? The yeah. actions, your actions and how they affect people. And if your actions are affecting people in a good way and, and making them feel good and happy and enjoying life, then, you know what, I think that should be reinforced, so... If you don't mind, I might mention it tomorrow and just be like, I, I, yeah. Neil, your dad showed me your absolutely your uh, your report and your teacher said you're doing amazing. That's good. I know, I know. That's sick. Um, anyway, how's your week been? Have we discussed Wales? I don't know if we have on the pod. Oh, I was in Wales when oh, we had a pod. Oh, yeah, you are in Wales when we had a pod. So the, the Wales thing, that was finished. Uh, it was good. Like, it was nice. You kind of got to know a lot of my team members a lot different Um than just like working in a capacity of like in the studio and stuff like that. So that was quite good. Yeah, I can't imagine living living with my colleagues. I mean, I like them. I can go for a beer with them. But <laughs> I don't think I can live with them. No, yeah, I think that was, you know, part of it. I don't know. It's kind of it's kind of different, right? Where you probably work with people in their 40s. Yeah, right. Whereas I work with people in their mid-20s. So I guess it's kind of like they've... They, I, I don't want to talk about them separately, but... They're um, 
you know, three or four or five years out of uni. Whereas if I'd gone to uni, I'm 15 years out of uni, yeah. you know, and I've, I own a couple of houses and I've done all that kind of thing on my own. So there's kind of like, there's a bit of a cavern in terms of difference. So I probably wouldn't have necessarily, I would have stayed in a hotel or I don't know, stayed on my own or whatever else. And then had time with the, with everyone. Yeah. But then equally like the size of the space was good and we kind of just were left at our own devices. So that was really nice. And I was basically talking to one of our, uh, one of the team members, Jamie, that I work quite closely with. He's a YouTube producer. He does a great job. And I was basically like, one of Ali's things is he keeps encouraging people to quit. Wow. He's like, quit and follow your dreams. <laughs> but there's a lot of talent. There's a lot of talented people that uh, we work with and they're unencumbered and they're young and, you know, and it's kind of trying to make people realize that you have so much time and so much potential. Like, space and potential and what you can do. And why the hell wouldn't you give it a go? And um, I was talking to Jamie about this in the car and I was kind of just, I was bullying him a bit and hopefully bullying him in the right way where I think a lot of people, especially in this YouTube space, kind of go down this passive income thing where they try and like, no, I've got to do passive income. I can't be working for my money. You know, I've got to, the money's got to work for me and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, sure. If, if you've got either a big following or you've got the time to put into it or whatever else, you get lucky, blah, blah, blah. But I think the easiest way people can make money is with a small following a true following. There's a book called yeah. 1,000 True Fans. And you sell a product to them. And usually that's going to be a product for like coaching or something, something around that idea. And I was like, Jamie, you work for a 3 million subscriber YouTube channel. You are the YouTube producer. You are responsible for that YouTube channel. Plus, yeah, yeah. The, plus the second channel, all these things. Why are you not selling coaching to help people build their own YouTube channels? Like 300 pounds a month. Do you want 10 clients and it's 3,000 pounds a month? You want, do you want to earn 35, 35 grand a year <laughs> doing... I don't know, five hours a week yeah. of extra work? And he was like, that's a good point. Why am I not doing that? <laughs> I was like, right, just start serving people value. Teach them how to build their YouTube channels and then sell something off the back of it. Like, make make some money, man. Yeah, yeah. And yep. he's like, yeah, I don't know why I was going, like, because as soon as my establishment on that was basically, it gives you, it gives you a, a choice. So let's say that you don't necessarily want to do the YouTube producing thing with Ali anymore because you're making good money doing this producer thing. You want to go traveling, you want to buy a house, whatever you want to do, you can go traveling on that that thing because now you can work whenever you want, really. You don't yeah, have to yeah. like work nine to five in a new place, you know, which is a typical thing that most people will do. They'll be like, can I work remotely? And you work in a nine to five job. Like, it doesn't really work. But if you've got a coaching thing where you can literally schedule whenever you want to do these calls and this coaching stuff, yeah, it works pretty yeah. well. That's what I did with my online personal training, right? So anyway, I bullied him doing that. And he's kind of started doing his bits and pieces on that. So that was one of our conversations the way home from Wales. We've paused the vlog. Yeah, you said that. Do you want me to talk a bit quieter? Sorry, the kids are going to be... No, you're fine. Oh, cool. Um, Yeah, by the way, the kids are asleep upstairs, so... They're they're KO'd. They're KO'd. That's good. Okay. Uh, Anyway, so yeah, so we uh, paused the vlog. It was supposed to be an experiment anyway. And I think there were some realizations of some bits and pieces about the vlog. For example, like it was very kind of Taha. Taha is one of our like, consultants that helps us work on the content production engine, which is in Notion, which is how we sort of manage all of the videos that are going through things, social media, that kind of stuff. Is he not his, uh, Ali's brother? No, that's Tamer. Tamer. Okay. So Taha is, uh, he's in the YouTube space himself. He's got his own YouTube channel, 900,000 subscribers. Oh, okay. um, anyway, he's been helping with that. And he was just like, look, we've got our star player, very kind of him, very flattering, star player working on the lowest return product. <laughs> what are we doing? Like, can we not do something better? You know, w- w- what can we work on? So in effect, it was kind of like, yeah, you know, um, there's, there's a lot, you know, we had a, a hiring process that 
uh, I found difficult to manage because I just didn't have like the capacity and time and thinking process to go through to get it done. I managed to get one through. We've got an intern coming to start on the 1st of August oh, uh, nice. who listened to our podcast, in fact. Wow. So Good homework. <laughs> yeah, that was great, wasn't it? You know, I'm sat there going, you're hired. <laughs> no, you were not hired just because you listened to my podcast. Very, uh, she was brilliant, actually. Great, great cover letter. Great async interview thing. Great uh, catch up on Zoom going through stuff. So. Um, yeah, it was brilliant. Uh, I think she did a great job, and uh, yeah, very very pleased. Anyway, she said you listen to podcasts. Go off the thing, and so we're going to refine it. We're going to refine the vlog, um, find ways to make it work, and to give me the capacity to do the management, leadership, management, and accountability stuff that I need to no, do. That's positive. That's positive. So working on that. What else have we been doing? The roof is on the extension. Nice. So that's good. Wind and water tight. It is watertight, I believe. I have absolutely no idea. We've discovered some other things that might be a problem. Where the kitchen design has to change again. And also a wall that's been built is just from plasterboard. Rather than being like reinforced or anything. So when you hold wall, hang wall units on it, I'm not sure if it's going to stay up. Wow. And it's already been plastered. Oh dear. Yeah, it's great, isn't it, Neil? What a, what a great time we're having. <laughs> more money. Mo, was it more money, more money, more money? So that's happened, and rail strikes mean that I couldn't borrow Ali's Tesla, which would have been lovely to drive up here in, yeah. so I had my own Fiesta. So to fill up the Fiesta now was, and it was 36 litres, I think I put in it, 70 pounds. Wow. For yeah. a Fiesta. For a Fiesta as well. Cheap car. <laughs> that's mental, isn't it? So how many, how many fill-ups to get here? Just one? Or? I just did one, yeah. So it was a half tank as I was driving up, and I filled it up, and it's probably just under a half tank now. So the, the car will do nearly 400 miles on a tank. So it's yeah. not not absolutely terrible. So I reckon it'll probably cost me 150 quid, 160 quid return trip, which, you know, is still quite expensive. But I couldn't get a train because the trains are all off. Yeah. Uh, flights up here, it, I could have got a flight, but then I didn't have a car to get to Drumtockety Castle, which is I'm off to tomorrow for a wedding. So that's why I'm here. Yeah, yeah. Enjoys. So what, what was it? What was the pondering moments when you were driving up? Did you have any revelations? Did you listen to any podcasts, any audiobooks? Yeah, I was listening to loads of podcasts. I was listening to a Jordan Peterson podcast. I listened to two of them, in fact. I listened to um, uh, Yuval Harari's podcast on Google. And there was one of them that I was listening to. It was Jordan Peterson's one, where he was talking about seeking comfort is really just trying to stay away from suffering. You know, if you're really sort of aiming for some sort of happiness or something like that, there's an element of suffering to get there. And that's, it seems like a kind of like a Neanderthal kind of David Goggins thing where you're <laughs> yeah. just like, yeah, just run harder, man. Just do more. Just do more. Do more press-ups. Just do more. But there's kind of part of me where a lot of people just, when, when we seek comfort, we just sit and watch Netflix. You know, we sit and uh, enjoy Instagram or we sit on the sofa. You know, but is that really, that's just comfort in the acute sense. It's not necessarily treating like our, our life happiness, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, things like they're really testing your brain and and reading a book like this is comforting but on the, on the same side it's, it's challenging like you're kind of trying to process something that you, you've no, no idea about like i'm learning about galaxies black holes and all that stuff that it's just mad and it's not it's not a sense that you're suffering but there's a little bit of you that you're i think there's there's i think they say that if you've you've kind of get it gives you a bit of a headache or a sore head it's kind of testing and pushing you a little bit in terms yeah. of in terms of uh, new connections in your brain and they're trying to form because you're trying to think about things and create things and come up with some sort of ideas. 
But I guess as part of that, that aspect of suffering that, you know, challenge, there's, a, there's an element of suffering within challenge. So what doesn't challenge you doesn't change you, I guess. Yeah, you know, yeah. if someone doesn't challenge your idea on something, it, it doesn't sort of morph you a little bit or, or kind of tweak, tweak your idea on something, which I guess I was kind of like quite interested in how Jordan Peterson was going into that idea where if you're just seeking comfort, you're just kind of trying to stay away from suffering rather than actually like actively seeking out some sort of happiness. Yeah, because I guess you, you find people in this day and age that just glide through life over, they'll stay in the same job for 10, 15 years stay in the same house, same location, do the same thing, and just not really progress, not really grow. And I think in order to grow, like you said, there needs to be an order of getting out your comfort zone, getting a new job, moving house, changing location, finding somebody, wife. Do you feel, feel like there's any time in your life where you've suffered and you've not, it's not come to a good thing or a good, something that's good? Yeah, um... Like when you've maybe gone for a job interview and you really put so much effort into it and it didn't go how you wanted it to go, or yeah, like the, the, there's a lot of these things that kind of t- turn good, I guess. So an example before we started with a short term job, I went for another job which was kind of like operations operations director level. Had this big presentation. It was between me and somebody else. We both smashed the presentation, but the other person got the job. It was it was in the same company I was working with for the last couple of years, and um, I was really gutted at the time, like really devastated, like couldn't really see a way out or or, or, or progression, and I kind of got stuck in in a bit of a rut. But then Shark Terror came along, and that's paid dividends in terms of my happiness, my life balance, and now earning more, working less than I was with this company. And if I did get the ops director role, I mean that would have been a ninety hour a week, six seven days a week role, chaotic. Um, so yeah, like although at the time for the maybe two or three months after I didn't get the job, I was absolutely gutted. Now I look back and think, God, thank God I didn't get that job. This this is maybe a, this is a good apt question for a dad question, I guess. Is is the suffering that you go through for kids emotionally and physically? <laughs> would you say it's worth it? And I want you to be honest. Hey, yeah, there's no kind of I wouldn't. Wouldn't hesitate and say yes. And if you say yes, then can you tell me why? Because there's there isn't anything. I don't believe there's anything really that has tested you as much as that. Even like training for a marathon. Yeah, yeah. Kids, kids definitely test every aspect of of your life. Whether that's sleep deprivation, whether that's your mental health, your physical health, your relationships, all that stuff. Um, but probably this report card is is a, is is a why. I don't think it's. I don't know, it's seeing them grow, seeing them kind of flourish with the, the lessons I try and teach them and the, the things we do at home to try and progress them. It's kind of, it's paying off. How much of how much of that, the report card success, do you think is down to you? Oh. Or even just you and Rebecca, in fact. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'd say 50-50 between home, me and Rebecca, and school. Okay. So I reckon, because I mean, they spend most of their time in school. Okay. Well, not not during COVID. I was, I was a bloody teacher for COVID. <laughs> so, so you 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 do firmly. Has there ever been a doubt in your mind about it, in terms of like when you were, I don't know, you're up at three o'clock in the morning. It's the second time you've been awake. You know, you've got to wake up in two or three hours to go to work, and you're absolutely knackered. Yeah. I don't has, th- has there ever been a moment in your life where you've been like, 
I wish I maybe I wish I hadn't made this choice. Mm, I don't. There, there might have been, but I cannot remember it, and I feel really fulfilled now. So, yeah, like I, I'm in a point where they're sleeping through the night; they're relatively self-sufficient. There might be a a point in time when I was very sleep deprived, and I wanted to kind of rewind back time, but now I'm absolutely fine, and I can't see that changing until maybe teenagers, teenage years. <laughs> when that kicks in and you've uh, you got to battle all that stuff yeah yeah but right now it's good nice but it's, it's it's like anything like things come in seasons they do come in seasons neil <laughs> yes they can go up and down they, they fluctuate certainly yeah. uh the sign graph yeah i do i do kind of wonder sometimes uh i think i mentioned it to laura this week where i i, I felt like at, at the start of the whole like fatherhood parenthood journey and this this sounds very like, ego-driven and centric and uh selfish i guess but i felt i felt very i felt relatively helpless you know in the, in the entire process there wasn't really much that i could do i guess you know i i can't breastfeed for obvious anatomical reasons i didn't feel really uh i could help emotionally for some reason because a lot of the things that laura was going through I guess I could hug and sit and listen, but I, you don't truly understand. You gen, you can't, you you just can't. You've just got to kind of like, I, d- I don't really know how people, I don't know how men are or can really truly understand what a woman's going through. Um, certainly from, from like week one to month, uh, month six, where, you know, there's so, so much change in the body. Like imagine, imagine literally going from about, you know, 10, 10 kilos heavier because of having a child to losing that child but then your body never going back to what it was yeah yeah that must be that must be just that must that's mental yeah very hard to process very hard to process to the hormones that are flying around in the first sort of two to four weeks the the the, the whole turmoil of trying to like learn how to breastfeed and if you can't do it and there's so much pressure for women to go through breastfeeding you know how yeah. difficult must that be and I just felt very, I didn't, I felt very incapable or incapable of uh, being able to help beyond like go to work and earn some bloody money, Gordon. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And, you know, try and like take the baby when I can and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. So I guess that part of suffering, I was kind of like, this is, this is really hard. You know, I don't, I don't really see how this is worth it. I don't really see how all of this kind of like pain and suffering and difficulty that's worth it because the baby, you know, Olivia, she, to me, she wasn't really Olivia. She was just kind of a baby that we'd we were responsible for and that we'd chosen to raise. And I guess it was just quite difficult because she didn't. They don't have much of a return at that age, do they? Yeah, absolutely. And this is why I kind of I um, showed the the report card to the camera is that like when the I don't know what age ages happens, but there's definitely and the boys are probably at the age as well where you start seeing that return. Like you start seeing, and but I've started to see it now, and. I think that I'll go back to something in a, in a minute where it was like a there's a there's a certain amount of degrees that you're turning that the people that are behind you that are turning in that in that degrees themselves as long as you look too far they, you can help them so it's like you're not gonna you're not gonna teach someone who is ten years behind you but you might teach someone who's five years or two years behind you yeah because you can you can bestow what you're going through it's the same when you meet someone who's just had a kid 
who meets Olivia, who's like 10 months old or six months old, they can be like, oh, wow, right, all the sleep deprivation. Yeah. You know, I can get through this because I can see the reciprocation yeah. that comes from Olivia. And now that she's sort of 10, 11 months old, the smiles, the cuddles, the the words that are kind of, I don't know, coming out of her mouth slightly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. the crawling that she's doing, the the reaching and wanting to grab you, all those kind of things are now becoming stuff that I want to come home for. Even though I was talking about earlier where I was like, oh, maybe maybe I want a bit of time on my own. Yes, that still stands. But yeah. now I, I really crave seeing her because she's becoming a real, like an act, like she's becoming Olivia. Yeah. Because she her, her body is developing, her brain's developing. And I can now see that ultimately the hard work that goes into the early stages, uh, the sleep deprivation, the difficulties, all that kind of stuff really comes to like fruition. And you get that deep sense of of belonging and uh, contribution, I guess. Yeah, no, I, d- I definitely feel that, and I, I can't remember where I heard this, but if you if you are going to have a second one or a third one, you should never think about that decision or choice in the first like couple of years of having a having your what your first one, because there is so much. Even I mean, the boys took probably till they're two years old to really kind of calm down with their sleep and, and, and get them onto kind of a decent routine and that kind of thing. And and then you start seeing the, the dividends paying off. So, um, yeah, don't make any rash decisions. Yeah, because it's the bonding stuff, isn't it? That you kind of, you, you, you get some sort of bonding at the start as a man, I feel like, but you you don't at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Because it's, it's so, it's so mum-centric, certainly if she's breastfeeding. But then there's a certain point when Laura obviously has had enough. Uh, and I'm sure Rebecca got to a certain point where she was like, I've had enough of this. And you get, you know, the, the breast milk that's in the fridge and you'll be able to put it in the bottle and then you can start doing it. And then you can start taking responsibilities and whatnot. But I guess there's also that part of it is, there's a, this, this is going to turn terrible, but it's like a, a people management book thing where it's about, you know, as a manager, you need to let go of the vine. You know, all the responsibilities you have, you can delegate them ultimately. And I and I must imagine it's really really difficult to 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 take take the child away from mum and put it onto another responsible uh, responsible adult and not just any responsible adult the dad yeah yeah you know did you did you try and encourage Rebecca in any way to give you that responsibility in terms of to you could help feed you know the boys or certainly Isla. Did you help encourage her? How did you do it? Did you have conversations about it? You know, because Rebecca breastfed for quite some time with the boys. So, yeah. I don't know if you want to go into it, but. No, it's a a good question. The boys, she breastfed for over two years, which people think, wow, that's incredible. And it is incredible. But when you you have twins, I think it's probably easier breastfeeding for both sides, for both parents than having bottles, hundreds of bottles, constantly cleaning them, constantly trying to make them up. Oh, bre- breastfeeding is an absolute win when it comes to that. Like just from a simple practicality yeah. thing, yeah. like you're carrying it around. You don't have to sterilize it. Yeah. You don't have all the plastic stuff. You don't have all exactly. of like the expense, all that kind of thing. So yeah, there's huge benefits from but, just that perspective. But when it came to twins, then I, I had to be there side by side with Rebecca all through the night, every every feed, because there's no way she can get both boys up and she doesn't have four arms. Um, so I think that, that came naturally in terms of her letting go and her allowing me to to take the boys and, and bond with them. Um, in terms of Isla, there was probably a little bit of, I mean, again, it's it's a bit of a different situation, but I was off work for nine months when Isla was born. Or not off work, but on the bench, so to speak. So I didn't have any work to do. So automatically I was there every day with, with Isla and Rebecca. But then after the nine months, I had to move down to Edinburgh. So that was a bit of a, a change. And 
I think at the weekends when I came back, when I was living in Edinburgh for 12 months, I used to travel down Monday to Friday, back at weekends. Um, it was very much me and I all the time. Like, I tried to give Rebecca a break, but um, Rebecca still had the element of breastfeeding. Fair so, enough. Yeah. So it wasn't really an encouragement phase at all? No, no. Just kind of naturally, naturally happened? Naturally happened, yeah. Due to circumstance, me being off work, and twins just need, need both of you. Yeah, I think generally that's what happened for us. Was uh, I think we went on holiday... And Laura was like, yeah, I think I've, we've done it for six months. Like, I'm, I'm done now. Yeah. Like, I don't need to do it anymore. Because you've kind of, you've, you've given all the, the good start to the to the kid. So she's, but she'll be fine. You made a good point. Like, there's a lot of prejudice around it all. And like, how long are you going to breastfeed for? And it's, it's a weird, it's a weird ass world where, you know, like, th- there's, there's so much like push and pressure for, there's a couple of different things that I can probably acknowledge one is like breastfeeding like of course there's a huge benefit but then unfortunately you get this kind of like inevitable anxiety that kind of comes across in fear if i can't breastfeed am i being judged yeah you know is this a terrible thing and it's never really kind of talk like they don't talk about it they don't kind of like be like you know what it's okay we've, we've got some milk we can sort it out should be perfectly healthy like i don't think we were breastfed i'm not sure if we were maybe That's we were hard. maybe we weren't absolutely no idea a weird it's kind of a weird question that's mom, isn't it? <laughs> and all of that kind of stigma around that if i don't breastfeed i'm going to be bad and then i think we kind of went through i went to that with laura a little bit and i think i do remember isla wasn't latching very well to begin with and she, she did six months nine months yeah and I, but initially i think it was quite a hard thing yeah. for rebecca i remember sort of midwives and coming in at the time and i know laura kind of struggled with that a little bit and yeah, again, there's not really much you can do as a dad. You're just kind of there to encourage and just try and like comfort and whatever else and, and do your best. And then the second one I've, I've always wondered, I don't know if ever Rebecca felt like this, but there's obviously a push that, you know, women should go to work and have a career. And that's, you know, your career is the most important thing you'll ever have. And, you know, this kind of push for women to be successful and to yeah, run companies yeah, and, yeah. you know, contribute and all that kind of stuff, which... But by all means, I am I am for like if that's what you want to do. But at the same time, you're kind of neglecting the idea that children aren't children even more important or make you even happier. And am I bad in saying that? I don't think I am. Yeah, no. You like know? Rebecca's gone through phases of. I mean, she, she doesn't have a pension. Um, just now, she hasn't had a pension for. I mean, she's been off work eight years now. Um, and every I don't know what frequency, but every so often she'll come up and say like am i right and have i have i made the right decision obviously she can't go back in time but now she's trying to make something of the bakery and to try and make that a career but there's definitely been points throughout isla's age and or isla's eight years being alive in terms of should she go back to work should she and that kind of thing but she's loving she, she loved being with isla so why give that up yeah that, that's kind of what i said to laura is like you know make make your own choice but then again you know you've got to make a choice right that's the thing you can't there there unfortunately isn't really a middle ground or it's a very difficult middle ground because we're going through that period of uh child care thing right it's going to be a grand a month one thousand pounds (laughs) a month to look after the kid i've never spent a thousand pounds a month on anything and but we're still better off if laura goes back to work but if she went back part-time we're definitely not better off and considerably not better off because you get less maternity leave if it's statutory, you get less um, rights, you get less pay, all this yeah. kind of stuff. And it's mad. And then you're just kind of like, well, there isn't a choice. 
Yeah, well, you know that that was part of it. Is um, we in a week we Isla did go to childcare. So when I was in Edinburgh, Rebecca still worked, and Isla went to childcare five days a week. But um, we didn't actually make that much money. I mean, it was paying for my flat down in Edinburgh um, for Rebecca working, so we didn't see that money. And um, when the boys came along, there's absolutely no chance we were putting twins into into nurseries. So it was like fifty quid a day here per kid. Yeah. So you'd be a hundred pounds for twins for a day. It's it's just and, and that's kind of like, but then but then also then I look at this and I'm like, as a dad, you don't have a choice. Like there is there is no choice. You you cannot take nine months off work. Yeah. You can't take a year off work. Not in the UK. Not in the UK. You can't take six months off work. You can take two weeks. <laughs> Yeah. But you'll get, what, 120 quid for those two weeks? Something yeah. like 140 quid? Mad. But do you know what I mean? There's no choice. Yeah. And that, to me, seems mad. Like, if, if for example, you know, there's, there's shared parental leave now that I think some companies do, and mine certainly hasn't thought about it. I remember when I asked in my interview, I was like, you know, do you have any paternity leave? And they were like, yeah, bro, come on. <laughs> Got an average age of 26. <laughs> but I'm sure, you know, if, if we work something out, it would be fine. Not that I'm getting pregnant anytime soon. But it's kind of like that. There is, you know, it's it's difficult now because there isn't a choice. Uh, it's either been a forced choice with the sense that the economy runs on the fact that there's two a two income, uh, two income families now, where like my mortgage with me and Laura on on our on our house is based on both of our incomes. Yeah. yeah. So you get a bigger mortgage, right? So you get a more expensive, larger house. But then when one income's not there, that you don't the bank doesn't know that. Yeah. The bank's not gonna doesn't yeah. not bothered, they just want the money. So there's forced choice in that sense where you're trying to live a better life and you adapt into that situation, but unfortunately when you do have children and one person doesn't go work. But then you've always got this kind of like odd societal kind of pressure, forced pressure where you're like, I've got to go to work. Because if I don't go to work, then what am I? Am I just a housewife? What what's wrong with being a housewife? Well, yeah. oh, but that's that's patriarchal uh, suppression. And I'm like, okay, well, we can get rid of the with patriarchal suppression if we give men equal rights in terms of childcare. Yeah, I mean, it's like, like in child leave, but we don't, do we? You can go around and around in circles because like, I don't know, women take the 12 months off, that looks, takes them back in their career, they can't afford childcare, so they've got to stay off work. Again, puts them back in careers. That's why there's a lot more C-level men and it's just a, a vicious circle. Like if, if I honestly think if you gave me, you know, three months full pay and then three months like statutory to be to be on paternity leave, Laura would do the first three months and then go to work the next three months, and I would do. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You split up. I do that, and we do that, and and you know. Of course, Laura Sunshine says you couldn't spend an entire day, entire day with Olivia, or an entire week with Olivia. And I'm sure I'd find it hard, but I'd, I'd definitely do it. Yeah. But we can't. Like we don't have a choice. I know. I know. Because I have to go to work because I don't get any money. I don't get any money from the government. I think I it's, it's it's Norway that um, give you twelve months both. Scandies, yeah, the yeah. Uh, Denmark, and I think Sweden and that. Yeah. And I think those, those those countries around there definitely all do it, but. Yeah, uh, it, now thinking about it, I, I just get infuriated by the fact that, you know, so, this uh, whole uh, thing is just <laughs> off the back of the fact that you can't just give me some more time off and pay me. Are you going down the childcare route? Or has that been decided yet? Yeah, we, we are. We're kind of working at logistics uh, side of things. Um, Laura needs to get like a return to work sort of date stuff set up. So we are. Um, and it's looking around sort of start of August, I reckon. Wow, not long. It's not long. Laura's been off nearly a year. Jeez. Of course, Olivia so, will be one soon. Yeah, she will be. So, um... So yeah, we're working on that, and yeah, I think 
I'm not sure I'll reveal like all of our potential plans, but in effect, I think a little bit of money now would be good because of the fact that we can get the house all done. And if, for example, Laura, I don't know, we had another kid in three or four or five or whatever, whatever time it is, then all of the like larger expenses are out the window and we, yeah. can, we can make some decision choices appropriately. Yeah. Because, you know, new windows, they ain't cheap. You, know, you want some render on the house, I ain't cheap. Yeah. And some new, a new paint on the walls, so that's not cheap. So potentially get all that done and then potentially make some like longer term plans on stuff like that. So I don't think there's any hesitation right now. Laura's going back to work. There is some trepidation and kind of worries and stuff, but I think from the greater cause or overall aspect of things, yeah. I think I understand it. And we are better off, you know, because sure we are spending, you know, a lot of money on childcare, which is eating into our overall uh, dispensable income. At the end of the day, it still adds on a bit more that allows us to do those things like do up the house a bit, maybe go on holiday, like, I don't know, just enjoy stuff that's outside of it. Yeah, so. yeah. But again, like, part of my discussion with Laura was like, hey, if you don't want to go back to work, don't go back to work. Like, yeah. don't. If you don't want to. If you think that you want to, you know, stay stay at home, look after Olivia, do that thing, by all means. I mean, it, it, I've been very lucky, very grateful to be in an opportunity where Rebecca has kind of kept the house a house, kept a home a home, looked after all the kids. I could focus my work. And now Rebecca's gone back to work. Um, running our own business, we've got we've got into routine now. We're kind of in a in a good good place. But having both parents working f- full time, I'd say Rebecca's probably full time as well. Maybe sometimes more some weeks. It's hard. Like even if they do go to nursery, you still got to come home, do all the washing, do all the dishes, look after a kid. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah, you got got to do your thing and. I'd only say it's going to be worth it for us because of the fact that we've got, you know, a, a decent amount above and beyond the uh, childcare cost. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, that's pretty much why we're going to do it. Yeah. And yeah. just get get the house stuff done, get comfortable, and then we can make a decision once the sort of dust settled on that, I guess. But, yeah, it's kind of, it's tough. It's tough making those decisions because, again, you're in your, like, 30s now and you're having to make these quite big decisions, mm. big life decisions that you don't really pre- use your 20s to prepare yourself for. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're not sat down going, oh, you know, when I'm 35 and I've got a kid, uh, I'll have a decision with the wife about how she's going to work and what she's going to do. I know, I know. But, like, I, I can't remember, actually, when we moved down here. So Rebecca did have a job when we were up in up in Aberdeen. Um, and she quit and moved down here. I've seen this. When How long ago was it? We've been in here four years, six years ago we moved down. She hasn't worked since. And um, but I don't remember. I think we just kind of got comfortable with the amount I was earning, and Rebecca was able to keep the home a home, do the washing, didn't have to worry about that at the weekends, didn't have to worry about it in the evenings. It was all kind of sorted, and she could give her all, all her attention to to Isla and like take Isla to cool groups and do cool activities. So yeah, I don't remember ever being a decision point. Maybe there was, and I've just forgotten about it. But I think it just came naturally, like. Rebecca but you, but you adapt, though, fundamentally, I think, yeah, is what happened. Yeah. Do you think that if if you could change things and there was enough money on the table, would you have made a different decision? No. It's easy for me to say no because I don't know the flip side. Well, I kind of do know the flip side now. Now we're both working. It's chaos, or, or it was chaos at the start. I mean, having somebody at home all the time, doing all the washing, doing all the housework and 
all the little things, taking their kids to scoot to um, lessons or to private tuition or whatever it is, is priceless. Like I don't have to worry if, and a prime example is this, I was working full time in Edinburgh and Rebecca was down here with Isla. If Isla got sick and she couldn't go to nursery or she, she needed picked up from school or whatever, I didn't have to worry. Like I didn't have to phone my boss and be like, I can't work today or anything like that. That was all taken care of. If Isla got chicken pox, if Isla was really badly ill, broke her arm, like uh, it was just a part of, I, I could just almost delete it from my Do you think, do you think part of it was also because of the economic area you lived in? Like if you lived in London, for example, where rents are, you know, five times more expensive, yeah, where houses yeah, yeah. are five times more expensive, well, three times more expensive, you know, ultimately this, this house in London would be a million pounds. Yeah. No, I, I definitely, that's definitely um, attributed to it. And um, But like I was, we had friends over for a barbecue earlier. They just live around the corner and um, like the, all, the, all the area is Dunfermline, the area we're in, we're really happy here. And yeah. It's a good decision. Okay, it was a fair decision. <laughs> yeah, you can't, yeah. I, I'm not sure you could probably assess it as good or bad because you don't but you that, don't know indifferent. No, I know. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But looking at the quality of life we have, Rebecca hasn't had to work. I think. I, yeah, I'm I'm happy here. I'm fine yeah. here. That's fair. Are you comfortable? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm comfortable as ever. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good to hear. Well, I think uh, I think that's been a good catch up podcast episode number twenty eight. Would you agree, or do you want to add to any more of uh, what we've discussed? No, I think I think any nuggets, can... Neil. You know, I, I do ask you the question. You know, any uh, any nuggets to pass on to the audience? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, not today, not today, not today. Well, I have a learnt anything recently. I want to share. Oh, I hear some children. Oh, should we uh, <laughs> should we pause shortly? I'd have learned one recently. The grass is always greener on the other side because it's covered in bullshit. <laughs> nice. Quite like that one. Who's that from? I have no idea. I just heard it from somewhere <laughs> and it sounded very good. Either way, um, yes, ladies and gentlemen, I don't know what we'll title this. Maybe something to do with uh, suffering or inequalities for dads or whatever <laughs> we've got into. But either way, if you are listening to this on Spotify or whatever podcast thing you listen on, do check us out it's on Instagram. We are on Developing Dads. We also have a YouTube channel, uh, Develop- Developing Dads Podcast. Yeah on youtube so you can watch this episode in itself you can watch our shiny faces and how handsome neil is because obviously he went to london for two hours and he was sent down by his company just because of his handsomeness <laughs> um you- next episode i think we're doing ran- uh, questions for me question for you i've prepared very well for that episode wow. so uh look out for it another face-to-face one another face-to-face episode why even get three in oh we'll see do we we'll see, see what we could do we said we we're gonna do one in the uh in the vegan cafe yeah i know we should do that that'd be quite fun yeah But either way, thanks very much for listening. I hope you have a wonderful week and I've got nothing else to say. Good. Over and out. Cheers.